Hello, and welcome to the Local War on Breast Cancer, the podcast. I'm Sherry Jackson. CBS 42 is partnering with the UAB Comprehensive Cancer Center throughout Breast Cancer Awareness Month. This week, we aired our Local War on Breast Cancer television special. In Episode 3, you'll hear our full interview with Dr. Helen Contreras, who is the director of the UAB Breast Health Center and senior scientist at the UAB Comprehensive Cancer Center. So I am a general surgeon by training, uh, board certified in general surgery, uh, but I developed an interest during my training for breast and breast surgery, and so as a part of that, I uh, did some extra training after general surgery residency for uh, breast surgery and have been a breast surgeon ever since. That's been since about 2001. And so now we're 2018, it's October, and so it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and a lot of people have been very busy, probably none more so than you guys at the Comprehensive Cancer Center. Uh, Tell us about what October brings by way of putting education out into the community for you. Well, I think it's our opportunity to really get to the community um, with with, uh, the community that's listening at that time with the message about screening and about early detection um, to get the message out about the Cancer Center and all the wonderful things that we are doing from a research standpoint, advancing science, and really hoping to one day put me out of a job um, so that we uh, can eradicate this. We are a long way from that. Um, but we are making strides every day to make life easier for women who have um, a breast cancer diagnosis. And one of the things we wanted to talk about here with Facebook Live, and Jordan, whenever you get any questions, just chime in, let us know. But we wanted to talk about prevention. Um, What do we know today about what could be done to help women have a, a lesser chance of contracting breast cancer? Um, Well, in general, I I think women should just think about leading a healthy lifestyle. We know that uh, diet and exercise can reduce the risk of developing breast cancer. Specifically, um, it can reduce the risk of developing breast cancer by about 30%. So it's not a trivial amount. um, And uh, what we look for is for women to be active. It doesn't have to be a spin class every day where they're sweating profusely, but just even a walk walking the dog every day, um, something to get them active. And then just trying to stay away from, um, you know, processed foods and things like that. It's really important to eat a healthy diet. We're learning so much more about breast cancer. What do you know today that early on in your practice and, and getting involved in medicine that seems like, wow, we didn't know that then? Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that I think is really exciting is how we are really um, individualizing therapy for breast cancer based on individual types of breast cancer. Um, We know now that there are several different types of breast cancer and each of those different breast cancers needs a separate type of treatment. New drugs and therapies are being uh, developed for each of those different types. Uh, So it's really exciting when we can say to this woman, we, we know what kind of breast cancer you have and we know exactly what kind of treatment you need. And that's comforting for people who come in and you know, from, from wherever they happen to come, because sometimes you get people who have had um, treatment other places and they're coming here because this is the next stop for them. That's right. So uh, we do, at, at the UAB Comprehensive Cancer Center, we do get patients from all over the southeast, including our own state and uh, the surrounding states. We mentioned in our special about the accreditation that, that the 
uh, Breast Health Center has there at the Comprehensive Cancer Center. Yeah. I want to talk about when a person has a breast cancer diagnosis. We noticed that the doctor that we interviewed during the special from the call center said that it's it's a different thing now for you. This is a different world when you come into healthcare once you've been diagnosed with breast cancer. Yeah. How so? Well, it's a lot more complex than it used to be. I think um, 20 years ago when a woman was diagnosed with breast cancer, you know, you just turn to the page in the book, the textbook of breast cancer, and then you just follow that recipe. Now it's a whole book on breast cancer with multiple chapters and pages within it. So each, um, so it's gotten a lot more complicated. And so as a result of that, I think the patients need um, a team to navigate them through the right choices for what um, is best for them. And it's, it's also with the onset of the internet and all of the, the self-education that, that we're doing, why it is so important with all of that information out there to be able to go someplace where you really have your finger on the pulse of, of what's happening by way of research, which is changing rapidly, right? It is, it, and it is changing so rapidly. In fact, we have uh, guidelines that we participate in. We're one of the National Comprehensive Cancer Network um, centers, and we participate in writing guidelines. And, and just even in, in 2018 already, we've had the guidelines change several times. So wow. um, it is a rapidly changing um, landscape, and one that you really need some uh, dedicated and specialized uh, physicians who can keep up with that. We want to take some of the questions. I see Jordan over there waving. Jordan, what do we This have? interview also took place on Facebook Live, so we were able to get questions from the public. Our digital reporter, Jordan Highsmith, facilitated the questions. I'll paraphrase them here since she's off mic. A viewer asked, if you had breast cancer before, are there preventative measures you can take to keep from getting it again? What should they do? Well, that's a great question. So having breast cancer once does increase the risk of developing breast cancer in the future. Um, it depends on what type of breast cancer the patient has. Uh, some patients may choose to go on some hormone blocking medications that can um, prevent a second breast cancer. Um, some of the therapy that they get for their first breast cancer can also uh, decrease the chances of a second breast cancer. And then some women may take a more drastic step to have the other breast removed uh, as a prophylaxis or uh, to prevent breast cancer. We don't always recommend that, but that's one of the options, especially for women who may be predisposed from a genetic standpoint. And then back to the diet and exercise thing, Sherry, that the, uh, it's really important for breast cancer survivors as well because we know that in addition to preventing breast cancer, um, diet and exercise can also reduce the risk of developing breast, of, of having a recurrence of breast cancer as well. And so that part in life changes for you. Uh, Jordan, just chime in when you get somebody else. Uh, I wanted to, one of the things that I found most fascinating that I learned this year is the changes for African-American women on having the discussion with their doctors about screening because of family history. Yeah. Um, that, that was eye-opening to me, which is why I wanted to include it in the, in the special. Uh, how about for you? They're saying that at 30 years old, you should start having that conversation, especially if you have a history of breast cancer in your family. Yes, so it's really important to ask those questions about family history. And it's not just the mother's side of the family, but also the father's side of the family that's important. I think a lot of times people think, oh, it's just, I don't have any cancer on my mom's side, so I'm good. It's really important to ask the questions for both sides of the family. Um, 
we are looking specifically for those families where there are young members who may have developed breast cancer, so women who may have had breast cancer in their uh, 40s, uh, 30s, or even younger. Um, any family members who were men and developed uh, breast cancer, ovarian cancer in the family. So all those things are important questions to ask about um, because if that is present in your family, you may want to start screening earlier than the recommended age of 40. And so this idea, you, you got to let your doctor know because they don't necessarily know all of your family history, so you have to be proactive with that. That's right, that's right, and especially if your family history changes. So sometimes you may not know, um, you know, when you first start seeing your doctor um, about a, a family member. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so you should have those discussions with your family. If you're African American, not only um, is that the issue, I guess, but um, sometimes it's it's the dense tissue as it well. Is. Like I, I have dense tissue, and I've always heard when I have my mammogram, you have dense tissue, but there, that means something. It does, and so dense tissue may, means that it may be harder to read mammograms, although you heard in some of the discussions from Dr. Reich and Dr. Adoji that you had on earlier tonight um, about some of the newer modalities that can kind of help through, uh, help, help cut through some of that density. Um, but yes, um, I think that uh, it's important to, to know what your density is. And so in learning that, does that mean when I go have a mammogram that I, I need to say I should have an MRI too? Should, no? Right, so um, <laughs> I think that's a good question and one that we get off, asked often. And okay. unfortunately, we don't have any good evidence to say if you have dense breasts, this is what you need. But what we do ask is that we kind of do a risk assessment of the patient, okay. understand what their risk is in, in and above the density. What is their family history? Have they had any biopsies before? If those biopsies have been atypical or had any kind of funny looking cells on them. All of those things can help um, guide us to gauge a patient's risk and we couple the risk with the density and then can come up with a plan of what else we need to do. You're waving, Jordan. You got yeah. another one? Um, another viewer asked, once you have a mastectomy, do you need to have any more imaging? That's an excellent question, and again, one that we get asked uh, very often. Um, typically, after a regular mastectomy, uh, we do not recommend any um, imaging uh, long-term after that, especially uh, specifically for both breasts. So if it's a bilateral mastectomy, um, Routine mammogram, routine MRI is not recommended. There are some special circumstances that we do get imaging for some of those patients, um, but really that's a kind of on a case-by-case -case basis. And um, what are some of the challenges with um, breast cancer research now? Um, I think uh, some of the challenges have to do with uh, funding. Um, so we have seen some funding cuts uh, nationally uh, for uh, cancer research in general and for breast cancer research um, specifically. Wow. Um, and I, I think it becomes a little bit of a, a problem for that. We do have some wonderful organizations that um, such as Susan G. Komen or the Breast Cancer Research Foundation of Alabama or the Comprehensive Cancer Center like ours that do um, some independent funding of research which is um, outstanding. And one of the things we, we've learned with this is that the Breast Cancer Research Foundation of Alabama that um, all of that money stays here locally. That's right, that's exactly right and it really is an amazing group and uh, we're really proud to have them as um, 
as partners with us at the Comprehensive Cancer Center. We have been on our podcast kind of walking through what happens when someone discovers a lump and then they have that diagnostic mammogram and then they get the, um, I guess, the typing of the cancer, mm -hmm. uh, for lack of a better word, I don't know if that's the yeah. right word to use. Um, but then the next step for them once they, they get into treatment, and we have those resources available for people, but can you tell us when they start that treatment, like what happens? So um, at our institution, what happens is they come in and meet with a team. Um, and that team uh, consists of everything from a radiologist to a medical oncologist, a, a radiation oncologist, a surgeon, uh, research nurses, um, nurse practitioners, all there who are going to review that patient's case and decide based on all that information what's the next step. And the next step usually is a determination of what comes first. Is it going to be surgery first? Is it going to be chemotherapy first? So usually that's the, the first decision. Once we decide that, um, then we kind of shepherd them to the next step to get them on their way to get their treatment. What is the most important thing for, for women to know um, about, I guess, feeling empowered that there, there's nothing that's hopeless in, in that regard? Like, you, whatever, wherever you are, you need to, to, to go and get care. Because I've, I've heard people who uh, are afraid to go, people who've discovered that they have a lump or they're just yeah. not feeling right. Yeah. And they're just, they worry themselves so much that they won't even go in. Yeah for treatment. And that, um, th to me, that's really sad because I know all of the wonderful things that we can do to help patients um, and that a breast cancer diagnosis is not a death sentence and it does not mean that we need to just hang up our hats. Um, it's when we need to start fighting. And we have um, excellent tools in our armamentarium to be able to fight breast cancer and we need the opportunity to be able to do that. And um, modern medicine has allowed those treatments not to be as scary as they used to be. So that um, if a patient's thinking about all the side effects of all the treatment and the surgery and the radiation, um, we don't see those things anymore. So it's not like it used to be. Because with, uh, I heard about Taylor RX that, that you, you may not need chemotherapy now. Right, that's exactly right. So we are really individualizing the treatment to the patient and to their cancer to minimize toxicity and maximize their good outcome. I see Jordan waving over there. We got another question. Yes, actually a man This man wanted to know because his father had breast cancer if there was something he should be doing to check himself. That's a great question. So male breast cancer is very uncommon. It only comprises about 1% of all breast cancer. Um, but families that have a man with breast cancer should uh, consider having genetic testing. So if that man's father is still alive, that's where we should start with the testing. Um, if that man's father is not still alive, then uh, any other affected relative would be a good place to start. But genetic testing would be um, really important in that family. We're hearing so much more about genetic testing. So when a person knows that we had one woman uh, who had three aunts in her family who were diagnosed with breast cancer, um, she's African-American. I asked her, well, do you go get screened? But, and she does, but when should you investigate genetic testing for yourself? And yeah. Okay, and then I have a follow-up question to that. Well, we, like I said, we'd like to start with um, an affected relative first, so someone who's had cancer. That's where we're going to get the most meaningful piece of information. So you would get their gene? Right, so we would test them first. And if they had a gene, then they're capable of, giving it all, all, give, of passing it on to their, um, their offspring. Okay, and so 
if you then find out I am B C R A B R C A B R C A bracket one or two positive, then what? Then what? So then we have a discussion. Um, we have a discussion about how to manage that patient. And management for those high-risk patients, because BRCA does increase the risk, BRCA mutations increase the risk for breast cancer, they can have surveillance, which means that they'll be followed more closely. It doesn't mean that we're going to keep breast cancer from happening, but it means that we're going to find it early, hopefully. Um, so surveillance is one option. Something called chemo prevention is another option where you can take a drug to help reduce the risk of developing breast cancer. And then finally, prophylactic surgery, which like Angelina Jolie had, she carried a BRCA mutation. She had her breast removed prophylactically to reduce her risk of developing breast cancer. And so that's important. So you can when you say surveillance, that means you're screened more often or? Yeah, and sometimes differently. So in addition to mammograms, sometimes MRI is added to that regimen. Um, and in, at our institution, we alternate mammogram and MRI every six months for those patients who may be genetic uh, positive who haven't had uh, prophylactic surgery. So for someone who's watching and listening to this and they're like, so I'm getting this, I'm being treated somewhere else and I've been being treated somewhere else for years, but I'm not getting this. What do they need to do? Like get their records and come call you? We, we'd be happy to see them <laughs> at UAB. Um, we um, take patients that are first diagnosis, second opinions. Um, we're happy to see them all. So a breast health center, because I think this is unique as well um, as, as people learn more about um, being treated and, and, and being, I think, a little more proactive and, and making sure they find a cancer early. Um, is that common that there are breast health centers? I know there's, there are these accreditations for them and you guys are accredited, mm -hmm. but is it, is it common? Is it okay to go to your OBGYN or should you really be also going to a breast health center? Well, Sherry, obviously I'm biased um, <laughs> in our uh, in what we offer at our breast health center. Um, we really span the spectrum from prevention to uh, risk assessment, screening, diagnosis, and rehabilitation. You know, we haven't talked a whole lot about that, but um, breast cancer survivors and breast cancer patients who are going through treatment need a lot of extra treatment, whether it be physical therapy, counseling, nutrition uh, services. So we offer that there as well. We work closely with our plastic surgeons who are available to do all sorts of reconstruction, not just the standard implant and expander reconstruction, but also uh, tissue-based reconstruction, microvascular reconstruction. Um, we have, we work closely with our reproductive endocrinology uh, folks who are part of our, our group um, because we know that patients who have chemotherapy and may be young, um, that can affect their fertility. So we have them meet with them proactively to uh, understand how to preserve fertility in those patients. Um, so we have all of, not just the doctors that treat it, but the ancillary uh, staff and services that um, can help a patient with all of the other things that happen to them as a result of the surgery and chemo and treatment. A tremendous resource in our community. We've got six more minutes. I saw you waving. Did you have a question? Yes. This question is from Gwendolyn. She says, a viewer named Gwendolyn asked a question about breast density. Should you have an ultrasound in addition to a mammogram? I think that um, the decision about what imaging studies need to be performed is really up to the radiologist and to the patient's provider. 
um, and together I think they can make that decision about what's best. For some patients it might be an ultrasound, for some patients it might be an MRI, for some patients it might be a tomosynthesis mammogram or a contrast enhanced mammogram. Um, so those things are available uh, and may be appropriate, but it, it really is uh, individually based. But does family history have a lot to do with what those next steps should be? It certainly does, because when we talk about the next steps, it really has to do with risk assessment and assessing risk. And one of the things that we uh, include in that risk assessment is a family history or genetic predisposition. And so I, I kind of want to get to closing up. We've got five more minutes now. but. Um, when a cancer is detected and it is not one of those earliest stages, um, when somebody comes in and they finally mustered up the nerve to go and then they find out it's, it's really late stage, what are their options? Well, they do have options and I think that's the first thing that patients need to understand is even if it seems so grim or so dire, there still are options and um, we've seen some miraculous uh, uh, responses to treatments and recommendations that we've made. Um, patients do well. Um, breast cancer, we're very fortunate that um, patients do so well with their treatment even when they are in advanced stages. Um, we can't save everyone, um, but the majority we can and um, they just have to come in to get the treatment. So we have been talking with the director of the UAB Breast Health Center, Dr. Helen Contreras, uh, who's been sharing with us what they do at the UAB Comprehensive Cancer Center Breast Health Center, and it is it really is all-encompassing. It's a tremendous resource for us to have, and so I want to give you an opportunity as we close out on um, our local war on breast cancer here at CBS 42, although we'll still have some programming throughout the rest of the month because it's 31 days in October. But what would you say as way, by way of encouragement to women who um, are watching or listening to us, um, what would you say to them that uh, could be encouraging to them about their future and the future of medicine right now in, in detecting cancers early to get people on to, to uh, healthy living? Yeah, um, I think it is an exciting time in medicine in general. Um, we've really, our knowledge has uh, increased exponentially over the last uh, few years and especially over the last 10 years. So I think that there's hope. I think that's the message is um, there's hope. Um, I think that for those women who are diagnosed at a later stage, there's hope. And um, we can find cancers early for those patients who undergo screening. So um, I think it's an exciting time and it's not something that we have to, uh, to fear. Thank you, Dr. Thank Helen Contreras, for talking with us for the CBS 42 Local War Thank on Breast Cancer. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Next on CBS 42's Local War on Breast Cancer, the podcast, breast cancer survivorship, and the many programs at the UAB Comprehensive Cancer Center for survivors. With Jonathan Rice, I'm Sherry Jackson. You've been listening to CBS 42's Local War on Breast Cancer, the podcast.